everyone, welcome to today's podcast. We're talking about putting your weight loss on autopilot. This is a phrase I use a lot, right? My goal for you is not to lose weight, it's to get to your goal weight and then live at your goal weight for the rest of your life on near autopilot. And so I got some feedback that someone said that idea of autopilot is kind of off-putting, right? It's kind of annoying that they would say that. But then they've been with the program a bit, so they realize, actually, I guess weight's always on autopilot. Exactly. <laughs> so that's the first thing to understand is that your being overweight is on autopilot, right? So understand this because this reveals a lot about how your mind works in a way that you may not be thinking about, that most of our life is on autopilot. That's how our brain works. We learn how to do something, we create that wiring, and then we just follow that wiring. That, that's how we work. Our brain is always... The main organizing principle of our brain is to conserve energy. We've evolved this way. And so once we learn how to do something, we just keep doing it. And so this describes why you've struggled to lose weight because your subconscious mind runs on autopilot and your eating behaviors or your habitual thoughts, the way you respond to situations, all of these things are programmed now to keep you being overweight. And think about this because you've tried everything you possibly can consciously to change your weight and it probably hasn't worked. And so you're literally trying to fight against your subconscious mind, it's not working. So what we're looking to do with program yourself then, it's about reprogramming your subconscious mind so that you automatically make the choices and eat the way that you need to eat in order to live at your goal weight. Do you understand this? Your weight is not fluctuating all over the place. Your weight's not just going up like a rocket ship. You probably have been somewhere in the same ballpark of your weight for a long time. You know, now it might go up year after year, it might go up a couple pounds, but you're not going up drastically, you know, unless something, you know, unusual is happening. So our weight really is, our body and brain like to maintain homeostasis. And part of that's the weight. And then again, another part of it is the subconscious programming you have. But what it leads to is an experience of you live your life on autopilot and your weight is one example of that, right? There, there's lots of examples, but your weight's one of the big ones. So. What you've been trying to do is you've been trying to consciously fight against your subconscious programming and it doesn't work. Again, I like to say as an example, if you decided, okay, tomorrow I'm gonna wake up and I'm gonna use my other hand to brush my teeth. I'm gonna use my other hand to use my phone, the other hand to um, use my computer mouse. You could do it, but it would be slower, more tedious and take a lot more concentration and effort. You see, it would be the opposite of the autopilot that you typically do. Right? when you brush your teeth, use your computer mouse, use your phone, those are all on autopilot now. They weren't originally, you had to learn how to do it. And if you think back to how it was learning it, you weren't good with that hand either, but you learned it and that's how you do it now. And so to switch it over to the other hand would be a whole, um, it would take you right out of the autopilot mode and it would take a lot more energy and your brain doesn't wanna do that. So when it comes to weight, it's the same process that a lot of your behaviors, your thoughts, your feelings are automated now because you've been programmed in a certain way. And so to fight against that is a losing battle. What we wanna do is we wanna strategically reprogram our subconscious mind so that we automatically start to think, feel, and behave like a naturally thin person. That is how you put your weight loss and ultimately your weight mastery on autopilot. So start thinking about it this way and it changes the whole game. And I think you're gonna find that not only is it a lot more enjoyable, but you're gonna get way better results that last. So I hope this helps you out. Um, if anyone has any questions, feel free to ask them. Let's see, make sure I didn't miss any. I did not, <laughs> all right. So yeah, any questions you got, you feel free to ask them. I know no one wants to talk about weight loss on a Friday probably, but uh, here we are. <laughs> Does anyone want to think about weight loss on a Friday? 
I don't even want to think about weight. I, I do. I, I think about weight loss every single day, but um, I'm about to transition right into my pleasure eating days. So I will not be, uh, well, well, I don't know. I guess it's funny when I say that now because even my pleasure days aren't crazy. Um, yeah, that's right, Dodd. Fridays are the best. I feel, I, I don't know. I, I am finally, oh my goodness. I don't know if anyone else is feeling this. I know I see you, Jody, right? Um, I know Jody's feeling this way a little bit, but a lot of people I've noticed a little pattern from, from my, you know, small sample of the world is that, you know, the new year kicked off and people kind of, I'm going to change. I'm going to, they, they try and do something better for a couple of weeks and that drains you. Let me share this with you. Cause it's funny in our coaching calls, this has really been an impactful concept that people don't know. And, um, I take it for granted sometimes, but, but here's a go. Here's something about your brain. Um, you have a prefrontal cortex is the newest part of your brain evolutionarily. And so when you have to learn something new, um, when you try and change a behavior, um, when you have to think about a lot of things, what happens is you use this prefrontal cortex and it tires you out. Your prefrontal cortex is the most energy in, intensive part of your brain. And so when we have to learn new things or do things differently, we burn through a lot of energy. And the energy it's burning, folks, is glucose. It's the same energy you burn if you ran a marathon. And so what happens is when you, when you use your prefrontal cortex a lot, you get depleted, just like as if you'd exercised a lot. You know? So it's important to understand that. So what happens a lot of times towards the, the last week or two of January is that people have been trying to make changes in their lives for the last couple of weeks. And now you find that you feel depleted and tired. Right. And, and probably off track a little bit with whatever you're trying to get better at. I felt that way. I'm, I'm working on stretching more and being more flexible. And I found, you know, this week here, there was a couple of nights where I was just really tired. Right. And so I ease off it. But I know this process. I know this happens. And so it's um, it's very helpful to notice that, you know, because otherwise you just feel tired. and You don't know why. Because I've, I've been doing all these good things. Why am I tired now? Right. And so then we start to associate. Oh, my God. When I work out, I'm exhausted. When I eat better, I'm exhausted. And I thought it was going to feel amazing. Well, you will, but you need to get through this dip first because as I was just saying, when you're doing something, okay, I'm going to eat better. When you're first doing it, it's very conscious, right? You're trying to force yourself to do it. And eventually, if you stick with it, it starts to become more automated. And then you start to get the energy and the benefits of it. But there's usually a dip there because you're depleted from using so much energy to start a new habit or focus on what you're doing. Hope that all helps you out. Um, Don says, still pondering what my pleasure eating for dinner will be tonight. Yeah, me too. I don't know what I'm going to do tonight. I'm going to find out. Um, yeah, Sophie, right. Thank you. Thank you. I found it so draining to make healthy choices. And it's true. This is why I say this is one of the probably biggest reasons strategically why dieters fail, because what are they doing? They're trying to change everything all at once. Like the idea that you're going to change everything at once is so stupid that I can't even, you know, and, and you know this, but you've been hypnotized by the diet industry. And so you're just missing it. But tell me it's not true that every time you start a diet, you overwhelm yourself and it's so tiring and draining that you can't keep it up, you know? And so this is why I say with Program Yourself Thin, we, we take a much more strategic approach and we pick your worst eating habit. And if you have enough energy, then we focus on your first eating habit of the day and optimizing that. But that's it. <laughs> you know what I mean? We're not trying to change 100% of our eating day one. What a recipe for, fail for failure. I can't think of a better way to fail than to try and change everything all at once. Because it's very, it's not easy to make changes. Do you know that? <laughs> you know, it's kind of like, you would think that would be awesome. But um, it's like, good Lord. You know, it's just so crazy. So um, coaching with you and your program is amazing. I had such good insight yesterday. Thank you. Talks, that, that's Danielle, right? 
that's you, Danielle. Um, because I always get mixed up on that name. It throws me off. But once you say it, I'll, I'll know it's you now. I know it's got to be you. But um, so yeah, so so much about strategy, you know, and there's no strategy. What's up, Erica? I've eaten. I've eaten healthy for almost a month, and I actually craved veggies yesterday. First time ever. Hey, Erica, nice job. That's great. That's super great. Um, yeah, okay, yeah. I, I knew that was you, Daniel. I just want to make sure. Dogs are the best medicine. They're also the worst medicine sometimes. My dogs are making me crazy. <laughs> I'm joking, but I love my dog. But, you know, she's kind of a puppy still, and I don't know. We've had pipples. I've had pipples for almost 30 years, and I always wanted, like, like a real muscular pitbull and we got one <laughs> and me thinks i should have got this pitbull 20 years ago because it's too much for me now i swear to god this dog is a friggin whirlwind i wish i had her in here i could show her to you but she don't have her in my office right now but yeah she's equal medicine and stress <laughs> um hey great job erica that's so awesome yeah when you start craving vegetables it's amazing you know and you can, we can all crave vegetables, folks. You know, it's not gonna happen the first day, you know, like I said, Erica, you start, it's a month. We always learn through contrast, you know, so you don't have to be a hundred percent perfect. You just need to do something right. I see, um, I see Paula here and Paula, I'm gonna use you as an example. She was talking about how she had two nights where she didn't eat at night and that was her big thing. And so she hasn't not eaten at night in decades. And so all of a sudden she got two nights. And so it's like, that's the first goal, folks. You know, the, the goal, the first goal isn't, oh, I'm never going to eat at night again. I mean, that's what we would want, but we do live in a real reality, a, a cause and effect physical reality, you know? Just because we want to completely change how we are in one day doesn't mean we can. <laughs> so the, you might want to break your goals down a little bit and set yourself up for success. So the first goal, you should probably make easy. You know, like, let me get through one night without eating tonight. Because it sounds silly. Like, it doesn't sound like a big deal, but it's a huge deal to get through one night, you know? And then once you've gone through one night, so let me get through two nights, you know? But at least the, the one night, the first night's the most important one because now it's like before you get through the first night, your brain is like freaking about what's going to happen. And it really is freaking out. Like, it's like, oh my God, I'm going to starve. I'm not going to sleep. I'm not going to... And you're saying all these things to yourself. And once you get through it, now you've got a contrasting point. Our brain always learns through contrast. And so now that you have one night where you didn't eat at night, now you can compare that to when you eat at night. Now you really know the difference. And so for Erica, it's the same thing. Now she's eating vegetables and she knows what it's like to have vegetables in her body and in her life. And the, the benefit of vegetables, in my experience, is accumulative. You know, you're not going to notice this amazing thing. She ate vegetables yesterday, you know, but when you start stacking up, oh, I ate 50% more vegetables this month than I did last month, then you're going to start to notice it. Because um, it's subtle little things. That's the worst part of change. That's the part that bums me out. I wish like when we had a good day or week of eating, we just felt like absolutely incredible. But how you feel is a matrix of a lot of different factors. Um, but but if you stick with the vegetables for a month and you eat 50% more vegetables, then you start to notice it because you may step off of eating the vegetables as much, but now you'll notice, oh, I feel sluggish. My stomach ain't working the same. My digestive ain't working the same way. I don't have the same energy as a level, level of energy and my clarity is kind of sluggish. And um, and then the flip side, when you start eating vegetables, you start to notice those subtle things, those subtle benefits. And it starts to become about that and not just weight loss. So great job, Erica. Yeah, once you start craving the vegetables, everything gets better. Um, work gets busy and it goes out the door. I've been hitting the gym once per week though. Yeah, Sophie, I get it. Um, that's why... In Program Yourself Thin, we, we always use the phrase consistency over intensity. 
you know, all you dieters want to be so intense and change everything all, all at once. But the, you know, how, how actual change happens is not that way. Um, it's much more about, I will tell you, Sophie, having a plan A, B, and C. You know, yeah, maybe you got your one plan where you want to hit the gym every day. Um, great. If you can do that, cool. But you should also have other plans where you at least hit the gym once a week. Great. And then I would take it even a step further where, you know, and again, I'll just give you an example. You can you can refine it for what works for you. But I want to I want to do something physical every day. And that can be something easy, like at your house. So you don't have to travel or go anywhere. It's just simple. I want to do a minute of exercise a day. Because again, when you start to develop that consistency, it's so powerful because it starts to reshape your self-image. You start to think of yourself differently and you start to um, really, you start to develop a different foundation under you because you start thinking of yourself as a different version of yourself. But, but good job, Sophie. Again, it's a good push to get started, but now start to focus on consistency and asking the question, how can I stay consistent working out even when life goes to shit, even when work goes crazy, even when I get not feeling great. And again, the way you're going to do is we, we do a strategy called reduce to the ridiculous. And this is something no one wants to do, but it's all about consistency. And so, yeah, you got your, your gym, you got multiple times a week. These are higher level goals, but then don't be afraid to set a minimum goal. I'll do five pushups. I'll do 10 jumping jacks. I mean, I'm literally that simple. Now, again, are you burning a lot of calories from that? No. But what you are doing that I think is even more important is you are reinforcing in your mind that I'm a person that works out every day. I don't have to go to the gym or whatever. I like to go to the gym and, and work out harder on those times, but I always work out every day and I'm this person. And so it starts to become this constant idea in your head. And then that starts to impact your, your eating, your lifestyle choices and other things that have a huge impact on your weight. Okay, so it's not just about burning calories. Um, I feel like I turned off choices at the start and just had the salad at the end. <laughs> yeah, I get it, I get it. <laughs> I think I eat too little. Yeah, probably, Sophie. That's the classic example, right? The classic dieter move is I'm going to work out really hard. I'm going to eat really little. And it's like you take a step back and look at that strategy and it's total horseshit. It's a great strategy to fail, you know? I can't think of a better strategy to fail than to like, I'm going to start working out really hard and I'm also simultaneously going to cut my calories way down. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, let me know how that goes, you know? So at least you realize it, Sophie, you know? Because I get up and go right to work and work through lunch. Then I graze all evening. Yeah, classic, classic move. Yeah. Um, classic move. I, I always say this and I will say it once again. The classic move I get with people coming to me is they'll go, breakfast and lunch are great. Dinner, afternoon dinner, everything's falling apart. I need to fix the, the afternoon dinner. And I said, what are you eating for breakfast and lunch? Nothing. What do you want to eat the rest of the day? Nothing. No, it, man, that's, that's a short-sighted goofy it's goofy you know so again the problem is not that you can't stop eating at night the problem is that you don't have a good strategy for breakfast and lunch right and so you're getting yourself so hungry that you can't stop yourself from eating and on top of that you're depleting your again your brain needs energy to work your body needs energy to work and so if you're not eating for breakfast and lunch you're depriving yourself and then next thing you know you're gonna eat because your body's gonna override your brain you know, and that's what always happens to dieters. So again, they want to just cut calories, cut calories, cut calories. And again, that happens because you're just short-sighted. Oh, I just want to lose the weight and then, then I'll figure it out. Well, if you lose the weight in an unsustainable way, what's the point? And so you should ask that question, you know, when you first start your weight loss process, you should ask the question, how long do I want to keep the weight off for? You know, as, as a as a grounding question, because I know you want to keep the weight off forever, I'm assuming, 
right? So if you do want to keep the weight off forever, then why would you choose a short-term strategy you can't keep up? Like, I don't even understand that. I don't understand it at all. It makes no sense to me other than, okay, I know people say, well, I just want to just kickstart just to get my motivation going, you know? But if you do some extreme shit that you can't keep up to lose weight, that doesn't get your motivation going. It just reinforces that I can't stick with this and it's ultimate failure. So just something to think about. Yep, Paula, last night too. Ah, oh, three nights. Good job, Paula, right? It's nice. That invigoration, that elation feels good, doesn't it? It's like, I'm proud of myself for skipping them. LOL, it's not smart. <laughs> I might need a toaster or something. There you go. That's just that's strategic thinking, Sophie. Um, it's not smart, okay? But, you know, I always say this. As a hypnotist, I, I, I work with the subconscious mind. And so I, I often say, like, I work in the realm of the stupid. And what I mean by that is that our subconscious mind seems stupid to our conscious mind. And this, to me, brings into light the core problem we all have with this whole thing is that you know what you should and shouldn't do, but you can't get yourself to do it, right? And so, again, I bring it back to Pavlov's dogs just to prove the point that we all know Pavlov's dogs, right? You show them the food while you ring the bell and they salivate, right? And eventually just ring the bell and they salivate. It becomes a conditioned response. And so we can look at that. You can do the same experiment with humans, right? And they'll, they'll salivate when you ring the bell. And so as a human, though, you could say like, oh, it makes no sense. I'm not going to salivate. The bell's not food. I'm not going to salivate. And then I'll ring the bell and you'll start salivating. Just So the point I'm trying to make is that the part of your brain that's really running all of your behaviors is not logical and rational like your conscious mind is. It's got its own logic, but it's a different kind. It's very associative. It just links things together. And your conscious logical mind understands things more rationally and logically. But if our behaviors ran logically and rationally, we, none of us would be here. We'd all just do what we know we should. But the core problem of being a human behaviorally is that we keep doing shit or not doing things that we know we should. And so how do we deal with that, you know? And so it takes a different approach than just trying, because what you're trying to do is you're subconsciously, you're programmed through all the dieting bullshit you've been exposed to, the less calories, the better. The hungrier I am, the better, because the faster I'll lose weight. But you've been trained to think like a dieter. So you're only thinking about this as a temporary thing. You think, I'm just going to, I'm going to diet until I lose the weight. And I always ask, nothing triggers a dieter. I'm like, well, what happens when you lose the weight? What are you going to do then? I don't know, Jim. I'll figure it out then. I don't want to talk about that. I don't want to talk. I don't think about that now, you know, because they got no plan. And I'll tell you what's going to happen. They're going to put the weight back on because they can't maintain this dumb shit they're doing. You know, we can maintain anything for a little while. But that's the big problem, right? 85, 95% of people that lose weight on a diet, put it back on. And the core reason why initially is that they're not even planning for long-term success. As a dieter, you're only looking at getting to that goal weight as if it were the finish line. But of course, it's not the finish line because you want to keep the weight off forever, right? So the real goal isn't to lose weight, it's to live at your goal weight. And these are two completely different goals with two completely different time frames. <laughs> one, one is a time frame of months. Maybe it'll take you a, a couple of years to lose the weight. And the other time frame is forever. So that alone starts to change things real fast because you can't starve yourself forever. You're not going to do that. You're not going to not eat carbs forever. <laughs> right? You can track your points forever, probably. And so um, we need different strategies once we start going into the forever time frame. And this is where you're flummoxed. You, you have no, you don't even know what I'm talking about. Uh, forever? Huh? 
All you can do is think about weight loss in a short-term time frame. And that short-term time frame is the beginning of all kinds of problems. Because as soon as you think of it as something as temporary, you say, well, fuck it. I can, I can eat 1,200 calories till I lose the weight. I, I, can, I can skip breakfast and lunch till I lose the weight. You know, And so you've been conditioned to think this way. And um, then you just keep acting this way. So, you know, again, a lot of it comes down to how, what you're even aiming at, what you're thinking about. And you're so, again, most dieters are so wrapped up in the short term, getting short term results that they have no, no chance in hell of ever getting the long term results that they truly want, but are not articulating. So again, I would strongly suggest to all of you, if you haven't yet, to upgrade your goal from I want to lose weight to I want to get to my goal weight and then live the rest of my life at my goal weight on near autopilot. That's a much better goal, a much better articulation. And your subconscious mind's a servo mechanism. It's like a computer. You need to be very, very specific with it. And that's a much more specific goal for your subconscious mind um, to wrap itself around. And when you aim at that goal, your subconscious mind will start to generate different strategies to achieve it. Because the strategies you're relying on now are short-term ones. Keto? Yeah? <laughs> I'm on a keto hating kick this week, um, not for any specific reason, but uh, it's shocking to me that I don't know. It's always I think right now is like keto, intermittent fasting. What at the top? Let's look it up real quick. I was looking this up recently. I kind of forget. Top. Oh, God damn this freaking! I'm gonna get a brand new computer. I don't know how much you gotta spend on computers to get a computer that works all the time. I mean, what is it? A million dollars? I don't know. I don't know what the limit is. Is there? A, does a computer exist? All right, we got it going now. Top diets for 2024. Let's look at this. Um, I think it works to an extent, but coconut oil coffee for real. <laughs> but so it, it, does it work? You know what I mean? Like, like, let's talk about keto. Does keto work? Does it work to make you lose weight in the short term? Absolutely. No doubt. No doubt about it. You'll lose weight in the short term. Um, yeah, but are they getting enough fiber? Is keto really focused on fiber? They're getting a lot of protein. I'll give them that. It is funny. Like, I'm going to look up most popular. But yeah, keto, listen, this is what I'm trying to say. Like, like keto, I wouldn't argue that keto's uh, a great way to lose weight fast. I wouldn't. I wouldn't argue that. Now, whether that weight is water weight, muscle weight, fat weight, you know, I'm not going to get into that. But but the core problem with keto, we all know it. What do you think, what do you think um, the main problem with keto is, folks? What does everyone think? I know, I know if you're on here, I, I'm going to guess you've tried keto. But what do you think the biggest problem with keto is? Does anyone have an idea? Overly restrictive. Yeah, I guess so. But what does that lead to, Sophie? It is overly restrictive, but dieters love that shit. Dieters love... Yeah, there we go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There we go, right? It's not sustainable. Yeah. Well, you, you then you saved yourself. You avoided a lot of pain in the ass. Yeah, falling off the wagon, which is another way to say not sustainable, right? And cravings. Um, it's a, it's a, yeah, can't maintain forever, it, right? So, so we know what the problem is and it's the same problem with all the diets, but it's extra obvious, I think with keto, right? It, it's hard to be that person who for the rest of your life is going to go to birthday parties and can't eat a piece of cake or a piece of pizza. <laughs> like it's not, see, you have to understand 
that, you know, when we talk about goal weight, for example, a lot of times people aren't even choosing the right goal weight because what are you basing your goal weight on? I know you're basing it on a number or a size clothes, right? But it's this disembodied idea. And so what you have to do is realize that really what's going to be the best goal weight is that it's got to be the weight that gives you the best quality of life. Okay. Because what a lot of people do is they put the weight like almost like in a vacuum. So I want to be that number, but they're not taking into account that you've got to eat and live a certain way to achieve that number. You know what I mean? So it's like you have to take both into account. And so if you just get focused on the number, yeah, you can do keto for a little while. You can do crazy fasting. You can do water fasting. You could do 1200 calories a day, whatever. If it's a short-term thing, you can, you can get down that number. But we always got to take into account the quality of life piece because that's why you're not sticking to the plan because your quality of life sucks. And James just said it. Dude, pizza's like the devil if you're trying to do low-carb keto. Yeah, but is pizza the devil? Do you feel like pizza's the devil? <laughs> I don't. I love pizza. It's literally one of my favorite foods on the planet. It's one of my favorite things to do is to eat pizza. <laughs> I think it's like a top, top, I'm not taking into account. I'm not talking, I'm talking like spending time with my wife and family and playing with my kids. I'm saying pizza, eating pizza is like a top 20. <laughs> it really, it might be top 10. It might crack the top 10. So what I'm trying to say is that when you set a goal for your life where you're not going to enjoy yourself in life, you're not going to stick to that long because what's going to happen is best case scenario, you get to your goal weight and you realize oh, I'm fucking miserable. I don't like this. I don't, I don't feel good. Well, that's another piece. You're not going to feel good probably on that anyways, but um, it's, it's for most people, it's a lower quality of life. So when you're choosing your goal weight, I think you got to take into account, how do you feel about living and eating that way? I sit in front of you as someone who loves pizza and I eat pizza in a regulated way. I'm not eating pizza every day. I structure when I eat it and how I eat it. And I am sitting here at my goal weight and I love how I eat and how I live. And I anticipate eating and living this way for the rest of my life. Don't you think that's a big part of the puzzle? <laughs> you know, the diet industry has caused you to not think about that piece. But because again, if you only focus on short term, well shit, yeah, I could give a pizza for a couple months. Sure, sure. You know, but I'm gonna give pizza forever. You're gonna give cake forever? You don't want every cookie again? Is that really the life you want? Is it? I don't think it is. I don't think it is. <laughs> and I think that's the main reason why you're not sticking to the plan. I think you wanna lose weight, but I think you don't wanna give up these foods forever. What a horrible idea. I can't think of a more anxiety inducing idea than that I, I could never eat pizza or bread again, you know? And I think you feel the same way if you try to do keto and you can't stick with it. And so my point to you is that you don't have to do keto. You know, these fucking diets make it seem like you have to do it exactly this way and you do not. There's a million ways, all weight loss comes down to reducing your average calorie consumption. And so there's a million ways to do that. So you better figure out the ways that resonate and work for you. You don't have to completely give up carbs. The idea that you gotta be in ketosis to lose weight is so crazy, it defies explanation. There's no society on the planet that lives in, in ketosis other than some Eskimos for a couple months a year living off a of whale blubber. Whale sh whales. <laughs> it's just, it's weird. It was a diet created for epileptics. And it's not sustainable for most people. That's, that's, that's the big problem. And that gets to most diets. The more restrictive and, and not flexible the diet is, the less likely you are to stick with it. And this is the, the, the biggest problem with diets. And you keep getting stuck in that trap, okay? So we gotta start thinking longer term. Um, 
So he says, based on what I think will look good, but arbitrary. Well, that's a whole nother story too. When we pick a goal weight, most of you, again, this is conditioning from the diet industry because we've, we've all seen millions of diet ads in our lives and every diet ad is the before and after picture, which subconsciously orients us to try and motivate ourselves to lose weight by looking better. And that is rarely enough motivation for, for the average person. You know, if you've got a lot of things wrapped up with how you look, like if you're a model or whatever you do to earn money is um, wrapped up with your weight too, then maybe you've got a chance with that because there's more motivated because now it's wrapped up in your your lifestyle, your quality of life, money-wise and all that. But if you're, if you've been married for 25, 30 years and, um, you know, you got a nice family and you're pretty happy and you got your job, like looking better is not going to be enough motivation, and we can argue about it all day because I, I would love to. But I think the bigger motivation is that you're going to die earlier, probably. If you if you keep putting shit in your mouth constantly, you're probably going to die earlier. It's the number one cause of preventable death at this point. So I'm not speaking out of school here. The fact that, that I even feel weird saying that out loud is... is <laughs> we've been conditioned to think of just weight loss. I just want to look better. How about you want to live longer? How about you'd like to feel better while you're alive? How about that? Right? How about the, having a mindset where you were free of the, the food and the worry about weight? I mean, you think about it all day and night. Wouldn't it be nice to be free of that and to live your life as the best version of you? Is that motivating? You know? I no longer have a goal. I do all the things for health and I land where I land. Yeah, Don, that's exactly where it's at. That's where I'm at too. Yeah, pizza's the best thing ever, right? Uh, I do make pizza. Yeah, fair enough. Yes, yes. I make the pizzas now. But I like pizzas before too. I, I do eat better pizzas. I have not, I, again, I will say this real quick. I'm reading this book, Ultra Processed People, which is really good. But when I reflect, it's been 30 years of mastering my weight. And I will say a huge part of that when I look back on it now and I really start to understand the effect of the processing foods is 30 years ago, I started to clean up my diet in terms of more, much more natural whole foods. That was triggered by a lot of yoga you know, that I was doing. Um, but now I, I see, thank God. So you know, that, that's another story I'm not gonna going to right now, but you like pizza like I love ramen. Oh yeah, I love ramen too. <laughs> I love ramen. I love ramen. Now again, ramen, that's another one. I used to eat the shit out of ramen, the packets, but like again, if I don't eat a lot of ramen now, um, there is a great ramen place that we go to sometimes, but I, I like, I won't make the packages. Again, I, I don't like the processing stuff, but um, yeah, I love ramen noodles too. So he says, I lost 30 pounds with relative ease when I was living at my parents. Yep, now I'm stuck at the weight that I go to and have crept back up a bit too. Um, yeah. How do you not get tempted being around other people who eat whatever they want? Um, yeah, it just makes me feel grim. <laughs> well, ooh, it's a, I mean, that, that's a, it's a, a deep question you're asking, right? And, and so, so much of this, what I will say, what it all comes down to ultimately is your motivation, okay? So on Program Yourself, then we have the Weight Mastery Blueprints and, and there's... The weight mastery pyramid is mindset, lifestyle, eating in that order. Um, mindset's the most important, lifestyle's second most important, then the eating's at the top. And so the mindset piece is six categories we go through. Number one, motivation. Do you know how to motivate yourself? Two, your self-image. Do you know who you want to be? Okay, so we, we, this is an inside-out process. Number three, do you know how to strategically influence your habits so that you can get rid of the bad habits that you don't want, bring into your life the habits you do want? Number four is emotions. Do you know how to deal with emotions? Feel the emotions you want to feel. Deal with the shitty emotions you don't want to feel without food. Um, number five is uh, thinking, right? Literally how to think like a thin and healthy person. What do you say to yourself? What questions do you ask? How do you think about food? All those things. And then finally is maintenance. How do you stay on track? Okay. 
But the first one's motivation. Okay. So it all comes down to motivation because we all have challenges, right? You, you might be living in a house in a house where people are trying to sabotage you, or there's lots of unhealthy foods around. Um, we all have our different challenges. Okay. And so the answer I always have initially to all of those challenges, regardless of what they are, is that you've got to get your motivation right. And the truth is that you're probably not that motivated. Okay. And so I know this already with you, Sophie, because even when I talk about the goal weight, you're unclear on it. You don't know. You don't know how to choose the right goal weight and you're not alone. Okay. That's why I bring it up. Um, but right away, no, now that I know that you don't know what goal weight you want to be at, um, and, and you have no real clear cut goal. And so that, that, that reveals that your motivation has got to be foggy. It has to be right. Cause when we're really motivated at something, we're clear about what we want. And when we're unclear about it, you're not going to the same level of motivation. And so, again, I, I, there's no technique I could tell you. There are techniques, but there's no technique I would share with you about how to deal with other people who are eating foods that you want to eat when you're foggy on your goal, right? Because you're kind of, you're incongruent. You're, you're not crystal clear about what you want. And join the club. Most people are not clear about the goal that they want to achieve. Um, they have some vague number that they keep saying, right? Maybe it's what they weighed when they were 18 or what they weighed when they got married or what they weighed when they went on that trip that time. You know, and so they just keep saying a number that means nothing. And so for most people, their goal weight is just this arbitrary number that doesn't mean much. And so to get motivated, you have to instill your goal weight with a lot more meaning. It's got to mean a lot more to you. I don't give a shit about the number, really. I care about the person I am. And so I want to be at the weight I'm at and live the way that I live because I think it's the best version of me which I want to be because I want to be the best parent I can be, the best husband I can be, the best son, brother, friend, you know, business owner, coach that I can be. So when I think about my weight, it's there's um, there's very little of it's visual. Yeah, I like looking a certain way. That that's a little piece of it, sure. But the vast majority of my motivation and the meaning I give my goal weight is that I want to be the best version of me. I, I look at again. I always say this, but you want to take your weight loss and wrap it in personal development. And so my weight mastery is really just a piece of my personal development. It's me being the person I want to be, having the energy I have, the, the clarity of mind, the, the focus, the, the ambition, um, the ability to, to kind of manage things and succeed the way that I want to. That's what being at my goal weight means to me, you see? So that's a lot more meaning and motivation. So now when you ask me that question, how am I around people that are reading things and I want to master my weight? Well, now it's a lot easier, right? Because I'm very clear about my motivation. See, but you're not. And so that, that's always going to be a problem. So that's why in Program Yourself 10, that's the first thing we start with is the motivation. Because if you're not motivated and you're, you're probably not, and I only say that because I rarely see, if you're struggling with your weight, it's almost always initially a problem of motivation that you're not truly motivated. You wish you lose weight, but you don't really want to. It's not that meaningful to you. And so until that gets fixed, it's always going to be a struggle. You know, what's up, Karen? Trying to be weight, you were at 20 doesn't work. Yeah, absolutely, right? For a million reasons, you know? If I have to lose weight to get better, then what does that make me now? Um, I want to be the weight I was when I was 20 at low, but I'm 26. It shouldn't be impossible. Yeah, fair enough. Okay. Um, but okay, Sophie, you say something really important. I'm glad you said that. If I have to lose weight to get better, then what does that make me now? Let's get into this, okay? Because I, I love this question. I'm glad you asked that. Because a lot of people... They think, well, if you want to be the best version of yourself, you want to be at your goal weight. And they're in their mind, they're thinking, well, because if I look overweight, then I'm not as good as someone who's at their goal weight. Nope, that's not what I'm talking about at all. I'm not talking on a visual level. 
Okay, so let's just skip that out. Okay, I don't give a shit um, what your body looks like. <laughs> I care about how you think and feel on the inside. Okay, so you tell me, right? You right now kind of struggling with the weight, not really sure where you're at. You're, you're not sure what to eat. You're kind of struggling. You're not eating during the day. You're, you're snacking at night and you don't feel good about yourself. That's what I'm talking about. If you had your eating under control, like if you had it structured in a way, like you knew what to eat for breakfast, lunch, dinner, you had it mapped out, you did it, it was easy, it was comfortable for you, you felt grounded, you felt calm, you felt good about yourself, you could be around other people eating their stuff and you just felt indifferent to it, you didn't care, and you were proud of how you were behaving, you were thrilled that you finally figured this out, wouldn't you be a better version of Sophie? Regardless of what the weight ended up being? Wouldn't that be a better version of you? Right? And then if we have any lifestyle pieces, what if you were sleeping better, hydrated, relaxed, breathing better, nourishing yourself, moving more, meditating, feeling more grateful? Wouldn't that be a better version of Sophie? So I know it's hard to say, like, because if we get caught up in the visual, like, people get really pissed. Oh, you're saying overweight people aren't as good as thin people? That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying if you're overweight and all you think about is losing weight, yeah, I'm saying I think you'd be a better version of yourself if you mastered this area of your life. And I don't think that's a crazy thing to say. And it has nothing to do with how they look. Not the way I'm thinking about it. It has to do with who you are. You know? Um, so yeah, that's what I think. Uh, more energy has been my motivation to eat better. Yeah, Ash, that's a great motivation. Great motivation. What's up, Barb? Bab? Babash? Babar? Babar? I used to have a little poodle and we, we had that book called Babar. He was an elephant. I don't know if you remember that. You might be named after that. Maybe that's your thing. Maybe you love Babar. But you used to say, Babar. <laughs> you thought we were saying bad boy. I get all nervous. Anyways. Yeah, Ezra says my goal weight means freedom. Yeah, there you go. The biggest takeaway, Jim, is that we never stop working on staying healthy weight. Yeah, absolutely. That too. That's another piece of the puzzle. That's why if you make this just about a weight, a number on a scale, you're setting yourself up for failure because you're going to get to that number and then you're going to find that your motivation disappears because you got to your goal. So what are you, what are you doing now? You know, so if you make it about personal development, there's always things to work on. And it's, it's addictive. I, I like, I, I, I'm, when I look five years ago, I'm like, holy shit, I can't believe how far I've come in five years. And so then, then I anticipate five years from now, I can't imagine where I'm going to be. It's exciting to me though. So I'm on this path of never ending improvement and it's exciting. Our brains need to look forward to something. So if you set your, your only goal is getting to a weight, you're going to get to that weight. And then what? Because most people trade the pleasure of the food for the pleasure of the scale going down anyways. Why did 95% of people put the weight back on? I, I have a lot of reasons why, but but it's like, you gotta, you gotta answer that question, you know? And so when you get to that goal of weight and there's no more excitement of watching the, the weight go down, what do you focus on then? If you just make it about the number. So if you make it about being the best version of yourself, there's always things to improve and tweak and grow on and evolve and, and get better at. And it's fun and exciting, I think. I mean, I'm, I love it. Like, I love this path. It's a weight mastery path. It's very similar to like yoga and guitar like this for me. They're like in, in coaching. Like, I love, I love doing this because I just keep getting better and evolving and growing. It's exciting. You should have things like this in your life, I hope, right? That you can look forward to. It's just fun, you know? I don't have to be the best in the world. I'm, I don't have to be the best guitar player. It's just, oh, I learned a new song. I learned something. Oh, I figured something else out. It feels good. It's called intrinsic motivation. And, um, and you know, it's like that feeling you get when you put that piece of a puzzle in right? Who gives a shit? Who cares if you put a little piece of a puzzle in? Like, it doesn't matter at all in, in the world, but it feels good, doesn't it? There's that little like, oh yeah, right? I chase in those feelings, you know? And when you start optimizing to chase those feelings, your whole life starts to transform. Wanting to look better is an extrinsic motivator, right? You really, you want other people 
you know, you, you're look, doing it for other people primarily. And intrinsic stuff's really, you're doing it for you. And so, again, I'm not saying that there's nothing wrong with extrinsic motivation, except that if all you're relying on is extrinsic motivation, I just want, I want to look better so people think I look great. That's probably not going to be enough motivation for you, you know? And so the intrinsic one is what I orient towards primarily. Again, there's some extrinsic. I like looking the way I look for sure. You know, there's no, I'm not going to say it doesn't exist, but it's, it's a small part of it. Most of it is that I feel, I feel good about myself. Like I'm living, I'm living congruently and in line with my goals of who I want to be. And I, and I, and it's exciting because it always keeps growing and changing, you know? So, so it's just a much, it's much more meaningful to me. My, my weight is much more meaningful to me than just, oh, I want to look a certain way, you see? And that makes, makes me feel a lot more motivation. Downsizing Sam. Hi, so glad I caught another of your lives. Yeah, glad you're here. Thoughts on getting activity in if you have chronic pain and movement hurts most of the time. Um, yeah, I do have some ideas for that. And that, that's hard. So I want you to know that. That's a challenge. Um, you know, it's like I, I got a I got a shoulder issue, and it's like it's fucking annoying. Um, it's annoying because <laughs> it, it wears on you. So, so what I'm trying to say, I'm not trying to be negative, but it's a, it's a real challenge, and it's a challenge that that's holistic. It's like it's always kind of there, right? And what it does is it, it it zaps your energy to some degree. So, okay, enough of the negative stuff. But I say that just because I think we want to like unflinchingly look at reality and acknowledge it good and bad, because once we acknowledge the good and bad things, especially, then we can go to work on finding solutions for them. Okay. And so for me, if I had chronic pain and movement hurt most of the time, what I would focus in on, I can only relate this to my shoulder. Luckily, I don't have chronic pain, although I get pretty close to it. That's why I've really focused on really getting my yoga routine back where, where I want it to be. Um, but let's just take my shoulder because that hurt. And I can't do a lot of things I want to do. I, I want to do more push-ups. I want to do more physical stuff, but I can't. I want to play basketball so bad, but my shoulder's just hurting and I can't and it's hard. But um, so what I do is I do things that aren't, don't bother it, okay? And so that can go from, again, I don't know where you're at physically with, with the discomfort, but it can be something as simple. Let's just break it down to the most, again, reduced to the ridiculous, the simplest thing possible might be to start bringing some comfort into your body. I have a program I teach called um, Comfortable Yoga. And the idea was that you're literally just doing things to make yourself more comfortable. So for, for Sam, I would say that let the goal initially be not, not activity yet, but more how can I feel better in my body? And so what that means is, so my shoulder, a lot of times, like it randomly hurts. Like when I, it's like when I move it certain ways, like if I sit a certain way and I'm kind of sitting there and then I go to move it, it'll hurt. And, um, so when it's sending me a pain signal all the time, not all the time, but pain is a powerful thing. And so when I feel the pain, I start to kind of freeze this part of my body out and I start to anticipate that it's going to be painful and I get tighter and I get more tense when I, when I do that. So part of what I do is I will take some time in the evening and I will, it can literally just like, I'm a Reiki practitioner, which I don't really believe in Reiki, but whatever. But I like the idea because I'm a hypnotist too. And so I do believe that like putting my hand on my shoulder, like the, this is the most basic thing. And so I would start with like just this and I'm almost giving myself like a self massage. And even before the massage, I might just put my hand back there, you know, just kind of rub it a little bit because what I'm doing is I'm trying to bring some energy back to this part of my body, which I know I'm consistently kind of freezing out. Because when we have some pain, we tend to freeze things, right? Because we don't want it to move. So we don't want the pain signal. And so we start to create this neural pathway that my shoulder's painful. 
And so we don't want that. Even if it is painful, I also want to send a contradictory message that well, it can also feel better. So what can I do to make it feel better? And so that has been very helpful because it helps me refine what is it that makes the pain in my shoulder. It's not everything for me. You know, like I can touch it and it's all fine. It's certain movements, but some movements don't hurt. You know what I mean? Like, like this here doesn't hurt. And so I can do this and so I can move it around. Um, you know, like, like to put my arm out. I don't know. It, it's like, it's kind of weird. Who cares? But, but for you, I would start with like simple things. So I don't know where you have this pain or what, where it's showing up, but even like kind of massaging your shoulder and some movement could be, you know, just, again, I don't know what your range of movement is. I don't know where you're at, but what I guess what I'm saying is starting really, really small and starting with things that make you feel better than you currently do. And so again, this feels better to me than like doing nothing because I'm freezing it out all the time. So it's kind of frozen. And so just doing this here feels better. And so that's another philosophy I'd put in there is that you're not looking to be active all of a sudden. You're not looking to feel great all of a sudden. You're looking to feel better, 1% better. What's the one thing I can do to make me feel better? And once you start asking that question, I think I realize there's a lot of things you could do. It might be relaxing. It might be breathing more deeply. It might be drinking more water. It might be just standing up and doing some body circles, you know, just moving around a little bit, you know, because sometimes we do the all or nothing thing. And it's like, I'm in chronic pain and I got to do active. And then we do something active and now we're in more chronic pain and now we don't want to do anything active, you see? So again, I'd rather do something really, really simple that I can be consistent with. And so again, as simple as every night, I'm giving myself like hand and foot and leg massages. Um, and, and that's a simple thing. So even like little little self massages, because what you're doing is you're you're changing the neural connections where you're always getting a pain signal. Now you're starting to get a pleasure signal as well. And, and it starts to feel better. So I'd start there, you know, and kind of take it from there. Um, what do you think it is that stops people from doing what it takes when they say it's all they want? <laughs> that's a good question, Mandy. I think, hey, people, it's not really all they want. I, I truly believe that. I think most people walking around struggling with their weight are under the illusion that they really want to lose weight when they really don't. I genuinely find a lot of people don't want to lose weight. Again, a lot of women will say, I don't, when you really get into it, I don't want to lose weight because I don't want attention from men, you know? So they use the weight almost as protection. And that's just one example, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of different things. I don't want to lose weight because I'm worried about saggy skin. Um, I had one guy, he said, I don't want to lose weight because then my bosses are going to expect more from me. I don't want to lose weight because it's really difficult. So there's a lot of reasons subconsciously you may not even want to lose weight. So that, that is always the first hurdle. I always say this. The first hurdle you got to clear is to get, get genuinely motivated because you're probably not. And once you are truly motivated, the process is way easier. Okay. So I think that, um, I think that's one thing, but, but the other thing that I think that stops people more than anything is their mindset. I, I think people have a completely backwards mindset with weight loss. It's not your fault. You, we all have been conditioned by the diet industry to think crazy and, um, it doesn't get us the results we want. So I, I think it's always a mindset thing. Um, as I said, I can't wait to increase my calories to maintenance once I hit my goal. Yep. Um, you're great. Would love to work with you. Oh, yeah. Okay, Robin. If you, hey, Listen, folks. Actually, if you want to work with me, um, there's two ways. One, one's free and one, one's an investment, but you work directly with me. But I, I'll help you no matter what, okay? So if you're here, go to my bio, click the link, get the hypnosis session I give you. It's called the New Thin Me. It's a Kickstart session. It's completely free. Um, I give you a training right after that. It's three steps to master your weight. And um, then I email you every day, trainings and encouragement and support every day. That, that's all free. All you got to do is go to my bio, click the link and opt in. And if you want to work with me, um, I have a coaching group. And so, and I have a program and you know, this, you can get the program on its own or you can get the program and work with me. If you can work with me, I strongly suggest that. It's the most value I can offer you. Um, and it's the best deal I offer, I believe. Um, 
I think I think it's a great program. But yeah, so if anyone's interested in that, feel free. Uh, you, you can work with me. Um, I found myself almost fainting in my deficit yesterday. Is walking. Um, yeah, well, Azra, <laughs> Azra, you know, come on, you know, Azra, you know, I'm not even going to address it. Is walking on a treadmill has the same effect as walking on land? Um, it doesn't, Sophia. Uh, walking on a treadmill, you have three movements when you walk. Um, you 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 push down, and then you kind of push off, and then you kind of bring your foot back up. And when you're walking on a treadmill, you don't have that push off movement because the thing's going. So you actually you you will miss one of the the movements of it. So it's, it's not the same, technically. Okay, but but who cares? But I'm splitting hairs. But uh, yeah, if you want to burn calories, uh, walking on a treadmill is great. You know. So again, everything's relative. All right. So sitting on the sofas here, walking on treadmills here, and walking's here. Okay. That, let me change that. Sitting sitting down's here, walking on a treadmill's here, and walking's here. Okay, so everything's relative. Um, thank you so much. Your words really inspire me with my journey. I have a pain in my lower back, but can walk a bit. Yeah, okay. But, you know, yeah, start heat your back. You know, like heating your back is another thing where you're sending a positive. It's like, oh, that feels nice. That's what you want to look for. Oh, that feels better, you know? And it can be the littlest things. It can be taking a hot shower, putting a heating pad on your back, um, doing real gentle stretches, doing massaging your back, you know, things like that. Um, and then just starting slow. You know, just really simple things that feel good. That's that's the first thing I would optimize for. You do that for a couple months and then that may, you know, free up your body to um, start moving more, right? Because if you get back issues, what happens is you start, you freeze the whole, you lock the whole body down so you don't move it much so you don't hurt. And what happens is that becomes a way of being. I always, in my mind, I always think like you're almost petrifying yourself, you know? And so we want to get out of the petrification just by, Again, changing the neural connections to it. It can be the simplest. So how's this helping me? Well, it's the step before you get to activity. But if you don't do that, you're not going to get to activity. Do you see what I'm saying? So again, it's just thinking on a different level where you kind of start real simple. Um, Sophia says those are such bad reasons. I'm not sure what you're referring to. Um, can I use my insurance? Unfortunately not, which sucks. Um, I wish you could, but no. Um, okay, so it's way better to walk on land. It's not the same then, right? Um, I don't want to say it's way better. You know, I think it's way better to walk. And I think that walking on land is is um, is better because you have the full gate, you know? And, and again, the treadmill negates that, that one part of the gate. But, you know, again, if, if it's between like sitting or walking on a treadmill or walking on land, both of those are a million times better, right? So, um, and, and so, you know, again, it, you know, for me, see, I'm a stupid ass because like, I really am because like I got a treadmill in my house. And I walk every day when it's like right now I live in New England. And so it's like, it's, it's icy. That's my main, thing. I don't mind the cold. It's the icy on the path, right? I don't want to slip and, and hurt myself. So I'm not very motivated to walk in the mornings now. And I haven't, I haven't walked in the last month. Um, but now it's like, I don't walk on the treadmill either, you know, and I probably should. Cause it feels good to walk. I love walking. I love taking my dog for a walk. I love being outside and all the rest of it. It's not just the walking piece, though, but that would be better. Damn, it made me think of something. So thank you, Sophia. <laughs> cold, dreary, and icy. It's true. It's true. It's so true. It's cold, dreary, and icy. It's kind of true. And here, it's like it rained like, oh, this friggin' weather. And that's another thing, too. I would say, see, a lot of times, like, I'll pull back on walking during the winter, but then I'm, I'm snowboarding and um, I'm going to the mountain a lot. And this year, I haven't gone to the mountain once. Because the weather's been kind of just all over the place, but it's a bad excuse. But so I've gotten a lot less activity. 
Well, I've started doing a lot more yoga too, but I don't know. Whatever. Who cares? You guys don't care. <laughs> so just thinking out loud. Um, I love walking, but I can't do it as much because I have two kids now. Yeah, but I love walking. Yeah, so Sophia's right. So it's the same thing. It's really like, here's the other thing too I'll say real quick is that, you know, again, oh, well, walking on land is better than walking on a treadmill. Okay, but it's like if you walk on the treadmill and that's what's what's accessible to you and you can do easily, it's like the fact that you're walking consistently on a treadmill is far out going to shine any little thing about whether you're missing like that third step of the gate or not. Who cares? Um, because what happens is if you start walking on the treadmill consistently and you got kids, right? So it's like you get to burn through some stress. You get to move your body, oxygenate yourself some more. You're using some muscles. You're starting to anchor yourself to doing something healthy and you start to feel better. And then that starts to spill over into your life where you start to make healthier food choices. You sleep better. You drink better water, you know, and all these other things improve and it becomes this holistic thing, you know? So it's, it's looking at the big picture, you know, not just like, oh, you know, oh, the calories, you know, I missed that one thing. Uh, maybe you burn a little less calories. I don't even know. I wouldn't imagine that. But people do that with walking all the time. Like, oh, walking, you know, I'm not burning that many calories. Who gives a shit? You know, there's so many other benefits to it. You know, that, that who cares? Um, Sam says, I find it hard to get motivated to walk more. I have a walking pad, but it feels like such a chore. Yeah, Sam. So again, please hear these words. Reduce to the ridiculous. Okay. What, what most people do is they set a goal that's past what they want to do. Literally. Right. So right now, if you're if you're associating like walking or moving more as a chore, you're not going to do it. So the first step is just to get yourself to do it consistently. And the way to do that is to simplify and make it so easy and simple. Literally a minute. If you start walking, get on your walking pad for one minute a day, 30 days from now, you will feel like a different person. Will you have burned a bunch of calories? No. But again, you're going to feel like the best Sam possible because now you're like, holy shit, 30 days. Look at me. I did the walking pad. Hey, pretty good. And it didn't feel like a chore because it was just a minute. But you start to get the advantage and the benefit of the consistency, which which the diet diet mindset just consistency, take your consistency and stuff it up, up your nose. Right. So it's like, you know, consistency is the magic sauce to, to get in the changes that you want, you know? So make it, figure out something in your mind that doesn't feel like a chore, make it really simple. Then you got this other part that says, Oh, what's the point? Who gives a shit? A minute of walking? Who gives a shit? Well, what, who gives a shit is that now you're doing something consistently that feels good and you start to create this identity. Hey, I'm Sam. My body's in chronic pain, but I still walk every day. Do you know what I mean? And that is, that's a different place to be. It's, it's a higher level, Sam, than where you're at now. And, and it, so, and then it's easier once you're doing it a minute every day, well, then it's easier to get to two minutes. You see what I'm saying? So this is how change really happens. Not, not oh, I'm gonna, I hate it. I hate walking, but I'm gonna force myself to do it for a half hour. You, you know what I mean? It's like, that, that's not the way to do it. I'm a daily walker, huge part of my identity. Yeah, it, it was a huge part of my identity. It, it's kind of, I have other things to, to rely on. I'm stacked up with, with things that, reinforce my identity but but the the walking part dropping out sucks and i and i'm so excited for the weather to get back and get back to that because i i love i love that i love going out at 6 6 30 in the morning walking it, it's i i love it but i hate the ice and i hate hurting myself i've broken my foot and i'm definitely more like i'm more nervous you know what i mean so whatever um i just can't go as much whenever i want to like before yeah, Sophie, I get that. I totally get that. Again, to you as a mom, that's life, right? It's just you don't you don't have your own time. So what you look for is just simple little things you can do at home, you know. And um, don't just don't just let be activity be just like this. Don't set a bar that's really hard to achieve, right? Like, oh, well, the only time I can work out is when I can get to the gym. 
but I got kids I'm watching. That, that's, that's one way to look at it. But another way to look at it is like, I could do some squats. I could do some jumping jacks. I could do some push-ups. whatever. Just meet yourself where you're at. What are some things you can do at the house consistently? You know, again, that you can do easily. And uh, it feels a lot better. Things I can do 10 minutes easy. Definitely need a mind change with consistency. You really do. Because the consistency is, oh my God. It, it's the magic sauce. That's what everyone always tells me in the program. It's like, because again, once you start getting into a month, two months, three months of doing something consistently, it changes your identity. You start thinking of yourself differently. Because think about it, Sam. You're stuck in the mindset. You're, you're A lot of your thinking day in and day out at this point is constantly like, thinking about how I can't walk, I can't move, I can't be active, I wanna be active and I can't do it, right? And so instantly when you get to 10 minutes a day, you, you're not gonna think the same way. You, you might start thinking, okay, I'm doing 10 minutes a day, how can I do more? It, it, I'm telling you, it, it's a literal, it's a binary shift, it's, it's a flip, it's a switch, of, a switch flip. It, it's, it's dramatically different, you know? So I, I hope you test that out. Um, can you get a stroller and bring the kids? Bonus uses more muscles. Yeah, yeah, that's a smart thing, right? That's a different way to look at it too. What's up, John? I haven't seen you there. I, I wasn't on the right questions there. Um, just walked into the pizza trap, had a lunch meeting, and they bought pizza and had the apple at 11, so I had two pieces. Look at that. That's, John, that's not a small win. That's an enormous win. Hey, John and I are talking about, John's in the program, right? So we talk about how do you deal, one of his challenges, how do you deal with the lunch thing, right? So he's at work, you know, does a sales job, and um, you know how that goes, right? So if you, if you don't know, you, you, you're going out to, you're selling with, with people at lunch, right? And so it's like, you can't skip lunch and just say no. You, know, you can't walk into the office, they bought pizza, and you oh, no, I'm not going to have any, right? Um, ah, two pieces though, that, that is, to me, that is the sweet spot. That's the sweet spot. That's what I'm trying to say. You know, that's how you can have your pizza in your body too, right? Is that you, you listen, you don't have to give up any food. It's never the food, it's the behavior, you know? And so um, that, that's just such a perfect example of that, you know, is that, and, and it's the apple, the apple helped, right? People way underestimate the value of an apple. I think apples probably, I, in my opinion, apples and bananas are just a huge part of the strategy, you know? The magic apple, I love that, the magic apple. I believe that, I rely on apples, you know? The thing with the thing with apples and, and fruit in general and, and vegetables is the fiber in them, it you it's an accumulated effect, you know? So it's like if you just eat an apple, you may not get the full effect of it. But you start eating an apple regularly, it starts to satisfy you more. You feel more satisfied in your body. So John, that's awesome. I'm super proud of you. I'm glad that worked too. Because it's all about creating strategies, you know? And now that you got a sense that that works, you're more confident about it. You know, you feel better. All right, you want to get, get out of here? Um, again, if you're if you're here, uh, yeah, and orange, I love oranges too. Yeah, oranges, apples, bananas, right? They're all great. You can't eat enough fruit, as far as I've seen, you know. And uh, I'm not gonna get into it. But if your weight loss plan has you not eating, <laughs> look at that. Uh, is that the annoying orange? You guys ever see that the annoying orange? It's like I don't know who did this, but they took an orange and they like somehow they put a face on it and, and it would talk. It, it's funny stuff. Um, yeah, true, but it's the timing and all that feeding time and then nap time. Yeah, yeah. Yep. It's hard when you're a parent. I mean, listen, when you're a parent, you know, again, it, it, it's it's challenging time. You know, that's a real challenge. But all right, gotta get out of here. Uh, if you have not yet, go to my bio, click the link, get the hypnosis session, watch the training, read the emails I send you. They're all free. And uh, the podcast is Program Yourself Then. 
You can listen to all the podcast platforms. We're doing it every weekday. Every weekday there's one. Um, new videos on TikTok all the time, on Instagram, YouTube. I'm going to start making longer form videos on YouTube, so keep an eye out for that. And, uh, oh, one other thing. If you don't follow me, if you don't follow me, follow me, right? Because then uh, I can randomly pop up and uh, help you out. Uh, talking about oranges, I had to send it. <laughs> thanks, thanks, Sam. I love that. That was a cool orange. All right, everyone. Have a super day. Have a great weekend, and we'll talk soon. Bye.